Merry Christmas. I want to make a few things plain tonight. Actually, one thing, hopefully very plain. I want to think with you briefly about joy before we get to the title, Wonderful Counselor. And I want to ask you to think with me for just a moment about what is the opposite of joy? If you've got joy on one end of the spectrum, what's the opposite of joy? I suppose at first thought you might say, well, if joy is like happiness, then the opposite of happiness is sadness. But have you ever cried tears of joy where there is joy mixed with sadness? So it's not quite that joy and sadness are opposites because you've been there before where you're weeping tears of joy, where you're weeping and where there's this mixture of happiness and sadness. What if the opposite of joy is a heavy heart? A heart that's weighed down, a heart that's pressed down upon, uh, uh, shoulders that are just heavy laden with cares and concerns and worries. It's maybe like sadness, but there's a sadness that crushes you and there's a sadness that you just, that you have mixed with joy. And so if the opposite of joy is a heavy heart, then joy is a lightness of heart. A lightness of heart because the heaviness has been placed somewhere else. A lightness of heart because there's a gift that's been given. So the second thing to think about is what alone can bear the burden and provide a joy that lightens the heart. Well, there's things that make us happy. Some of those things might you, fi- you might find under the, under the tree. Things that make us smile. Things that make us a little bit giddy. Things that we look forward to unwrapping. But, but there is only one who can bear the burden of lightening the heart. There's only one who can give us a joy that, that is not just a, a flash in the pan kind of happiness or gladness, but there's only one who gives us joy. Isaiah talked about it. We read it before. The joy of a warrior coming home from battle. The joy of a farmer rejoicing when he brings in the harvest. The joy like a child opening the gift or a mother holding her child after a long delivery process. There's only one who can bear the weight. The government is on his shoulders, Isaiah said. And so tonight and tomorrow and then again next Sunday, we want to unpack some of these names that Isaiah, that God gives to the Messiah. And and I'll read them again, but tonight we're going to focus on just one of the titles, Isaiah chapter 9 Verse 6, for to us, this is the gift of God to us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government, the weight of everything, will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus Christ, you are exactly who Isaiah said you would be. You are exactly where Micah said you would be. You did exactly what all the prophets said you would do, and we praise you for that. So tonight, as we remember and celebrate your first coming, your birth in Bethlehem, we we pray, help us to see in fuller, deeper, brighter ways who you are for us who you are for our salvation. So Lord, let the words of my mouth 
and the meditation of our hearts. Let it be pleasing in your sight. God, you are our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want to ask a really simple question tonight. Hopefully I'll answer it with you. Hopefully answer it for you. What is it that makes Jesus as our counselor so wonderful? What makes him a counselor that is beyond all other counselors, a counselor par excellence, who, who, to whom no one can compare? Is it because he knows so much? Is it because he can do so much? Is it because, because of what he's already done? I suppose we could stop right there and say, sermon done. It is true he is all of those things, but then we'd be done and we'd have to get on with the service. What I want to do with you briefly tonight is explore and just think with you a, bit, a little bit with, bear with me. You guys have to, you know this with, about me by now. But I want, I want to think with you about the directions that the counsel of Jesus goes. And guys, don't throw all of these up on the screen yet, but the directions of Jesus' counselor, it, it first goes up and down. Don't put them up there. You, Gage, don't put them up there. Come on. It goes up and down. It goes backward and forward. And it goes above and beyond. So you can put the first one up. It goes, it goes up and down. Now, when you think about a counselor, what, what is one of the first images that pops into your mind when you think of counselor? I don't know about you, but if I was going to set up a stage for a sermon on a wonderful counselor, the first set that I might design is a chair here and maybe a chair over here. You've got the counselee chair, or maybe in the movies we picture a couch because they lay down on the couch so they're comfortable. And then you've got the counselor chair. You have counselee, counselor, and, and there's, this, there's this back and forth. There's a sharing, there's a listening, there's a questioning, and there's a speaking. Like There's this back and forth, this to and fro. There's an authoritative position that the counselor has, and there's a, there's a humble position, a sharing position that the counselee is in. There's a back and forth and a to and fro. It's, it's kind of a parallel thing, and if anything, there's a little bit of an authority because you re you have to re if you're going to listen to them, you have to respect them at least a little bit. But when I think, when I, as we think about Jesus tonight and see him, I hope, more and more as a wonderful counselor, I want you first to see that his counsel goes up. And when I say his counsel goes up, I'm saying, Jesus, think about the divine counsel that Jesus has together with the Father and the Spirit. Together with the Father and the Spirit, Jesus was there at the very beginning, part of all creation. He was there together with the Father and the Spirit. They had this conversation where they looked at each other and said, what do you think we should do with man? Let us. They have this conversation in heaven, and Jesus is part of that. Let us make mankind in our image. He's advising God, if you will. It's, it's an Isaiah, something similar. God asked the question, who will go for us? And Jesus, I, Proverbs pictures this too, where Jesus is right there in, at creation, walking side by side with the Father and just taking all this in, all that God is doing, and he's part of this. He's delighting in all the works of God's hands. So when I say that Jesus' counsel first goes up, as the Son together with the Father, 
He's right there, part of all these divine conversations about how to do things down here. And it's not just a past thing as though this kind of thing only happened in creation or only happened in Isaiah when God's saying, who should go for us? But it's bigger than that. It's, it's more than that. See, since Jesus has come, come down from heaven, since Jesus has paid the price for our sins, what does he do for us now? He's right there in God's ear, right there in God's throne room, interceding for us interceding for you before the Father's throne. Yes, yes, you can talk to God yourself. You don't have to go through Jesus. You don't have to go through a middleman, but isn't it neat? And neat's not quite a nice enough word. Isn't it neat that Jesus does that for you on your behalf? That he intercedes for you? That he mediates for you at the Father's highest throne? So, so first, as Jesus counsels, he's wonderful he, because his counsel goes up and then it comes down. Isn't that what Christmas is? God coming down? Not just to be a counselor, but to take our flesh, to take our sin, and to die our death. And having done all that, having faced temptation, having paid the price for our sins, dear people of God, your counselor knows your weakness. So when he comes down to give you wisdom from on high, when he comes down to you to advise you from God's word, when he comes to give you wisdom that the Spirit gave to him, that he now gives to you, he knows your pain and your sorrow. He knows he's experienced what you experience except for the sin so he can help you in your time of need. So, so Jesus is your counselor. His counsel goes up and down, and his counsel goes backwards, and his counsel goes forward. Now, in this back-and-forth relationship that we have sometimes with an with a earthly counselor, there are certain weaknesses that go along with that relationship. One, the, the, the biggest one that's easily seen is they're both human beings. And, and what the counselor can see and what the counselee can share is, is about this much, and that's maybe too big, because about this much of what's actually known related to everything that's going on. As the counselor sits there and tries to take information in and understand what's going on with the counselee, they only can see and hear about one side of the story. They have a very limited view of things. And the, and the counselee, they, they too have a very limited view of things. But this counselor whom we call wonderful does not have a limited view of things. His view of things goes all the way back and all the way to the never-ending end of things. He sees where... Everything fits, especially you. See, as you think about your life, it's like one thread. Golden thread, you pick the fit your favorite color. You, you see your life as a single thread. But your counselor, he sees your single thread in the midst of a grand tapestry of threads. 
And he sees how individual events in your life and how your life as a whole span, that's but a glimpse and a breath. He sees how all of that fits into the whole grand tapestry of what's going on in the world. Everything that came before you and everything that goes af- come, will come after you, you're part of that wonderful tapestry. And God, that your Savior Jesus is weaving together into something that's saving. We sometimes ask the question about the hardships and the pain in our life, especially why did this happen? And sometimes we dare to give an answer. But our counselor knows. He knows how the things beforehand led to the things that are, how the things that are will lead to the things that are to come, and how all of this is woven together into a grand plan of salvation. And as you think about your Savior's viewpoint on things that he sees backwards and forwards, know this. He doesn't just know stuff. When you think about his counsel, also think about his design. Because not only does he know what the tapestry looks like, but he's the very one who designed it. And if he designed it, then he's going to carry it out. Because what our Savior, our Counselor designs, He does, He accomplishes, He finishes. His his counsel is not just good advice. His counsel is divine action. Divine action that He carries out at the right time in the right way for the salvation of His people. See, his counsel, is, it goes up and down. It goes backwards and forwards. And finally, it, it goes above and beyond. I've been trying to think for a while about how do I help you understand what this word wonderful means. When we say that Jesus is wonderful counselor, counselor I think we can grasp pretty quickly, But when we say that he is wonderful counselor, what what exactly does Isaiah mean? In the book of Proverbs, Solomon says these are some wonderful things. He He says an eagle in the sky is a wonderful thing. And I don't know about you, but when I see an eagle flying in the sky, I kind of say, how? They just kind of sit there, you know? wafting on warm air that's rising that you can't even see. They're just kind of there, floating, it seems. That's wonderful, Solomon says. He says, he says another thing that's wonderful is, is a snake on a rock. Again, I always look at snakes and I wonder, why are they doing that? I, I, I can understand that they maybe have to slither, but they never seem to go in a straight line. They're kind of all over the place. They move, but how? And why? Solomon says, a ship on the seas is a wonderful thing. I don't know how ships really work. A little rudder steers the whole thing. You, you hang a mast, in, you can go into the wind with a sail. I don't know how this works. These are things that Solomon said are too wonderful. They're just beyond our, our thinking. Sarah before, when, when the angels came and said, you're going to, in a year, you're going to have a child, Sarah said, no, that's too wonderful. 
actually, the way it's translated most times is that's too hard for God to do. Too wonderful. Jeremiah, he heard this promise about the, the Israelites coming back from Babylon and God told him to buy some land. And, and Jeremiah asked the question, is anything too wonderful? Too hard? Too difficult for God? And what did David say about himself in the womb? Fearfully and wonderfully made? Your works are wonderful? I know that full well. So, so what I'm trying to get at with this word wonderful, and as the Bible makes it plain, this is what the word means. It's beyond reason. I'm not saying it's irrational. I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying it's beyond our imagination. It's a beyond, above and beyond our, our thinking and our reasoning and our making sense of things. Isaiah said it later on, God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Paul sang a song of doxology to God. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has traced out his paths? So what is it like for Jesus to be wonderful counselor? Well, it's like a virgin giving birth to a baby. I mean, who would have even imagined that that was possible, let alone part of a plan, <laughs> that a virgin, a young virgin, would give birth to a child? Who would have thought none but our counselor and who would have thought that, that God, the almighty, eternal, without boundaries God, would be confined to the womb of a woman? Who would have imagined that were even possible? None but our counselor. It's, it's wonderful like this baby dying on a cross. Who would have thought that death would bring life? And not just life for one or for a few, but life for all. It's wonderful like, like a God, the God, who desi designs and desires to make himself known to you. God humbled himself not just to become a baby, but God humbled himself to say, I want you to know who I am. Yes, it's true that God has not told us everything. The Bible, the scriptures speak about things that are hidden, things that belong to God alone, things where God says, that's none your business. I'm God. Let me handle it. But then there are things that God has made known to us so that we might know him and believe. Who are the people to whom God has made himself known? It's us. Who would have thought that God would reveal himself to people? 
And who would have thought that 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 God, that we would learn to trust Him even when we don't know and even when we don't understand, even when we're staring into what seems to be darkness and we can't make sense of what's going on and God has not made it clear to us, who would have thought that we would trust like a child in the arms of its mother, like the son in the arms of its father? Who could make that happen except our counselor? So what is it like to have a wonderful counselor like this? It's like a burden lifted because the one who counsels us has the ear of our Father in heaven. The one who counsels us sees to the back and to, the fr- and to eternity. The one who counsels us knows God's ways and he desires and he does speak to us so that we may know him. What is it like to have a counselor like that? It's to have a burden lifted and a light heart because the burden's on him and he shares his wisdom with us. Amen? Amen. Now may the God of peace grant you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you. Amen.